Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's much harder to avoid and do all these emotional gymnastics and, and have all these voices whispering and telling us what not to feel and what not to think. And it, it's much harder to just let all that go than to take a second and breathe and be conscious. Mm-hmm. That's well, a lot it, easier, yeah. but it feels mm-hmm. like a big effort. Well, and we think we're going to be done. You're never done. When you're dead, you're done. Maybe not even, right? Right, right. You're always standing in a canoe. That's the best way that I can explain it. Welcome to the Mental Health Comedy Hour with Ed Krasnick and Jennifer Kalari. I'm Ed. Uh, I was Mr. Anxiety 2020. Uh, excited. <laughs> I'll be wearing my crown, but I won't be wearing it proudly because I'll be too anxious. Uh, we talk with comedians. We talk with entertainers about their lives. And, and Jennifer is here, thank God, uh, because she helps us practice simple mental health skills that, that we tools. <clears throat> because mental health is a topic, but it is not yet a practice. When it becomes a practice, let me know and we'll be out of business. Um, conversation <laughs> and practice, that's what we do. Popular topic, rarely does anyone show you how to do it. Uh, rarely does anyone tell you that it's a practice. You just think it's, it sort of happens if you buy a book or you do a thing and then you think you're done and then you find out you have another feeling and then you get very angry. Well, that's just me. Um, Now, we know what physical fitness is, but what is emotional fitness? I have no idea. Maybe we'll find out someday. But that's why Jennifer is here. Jennifer Kalari, she's an expert in the field of of mental health, resilience, parenting skills, rewiring your brain. Mm -hmm. And she's coming up in a minute. But today, today, everybody, this is a great show. You picked a good time to listen because it's panic-demic week. We're talking about panic and scarcity uh, and a lot of other things, too. Um, We're going to work on the Olympic Games. We're going to work on all kinds of things today. Our guest is a good friend, um, is such a good friend. We've been through a lot together. Uh, Eddie Pepitone, you have seen him so many times. His stand-up special in Ruins can be seen on Netflix. There's a great documentary about his life, which I'm sure you've seen, but if you haven't, The Bitter Buddha is streaming on Amazon. Old school shows like Conan and Jimmy Kimmel and Sonny in Philadelphia. But today, I think it's later today or every Monday at four Pacific is live from the bunker, which is his podcast, which is on Instagram every Monday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. in the East. Panic-demic. And now, Jennifer, very quickly, I mean, not very quickly, but I want to just talk with you about something I, uh, I think I actually texted you in a panic uh, this you weekend because, because I was trying to, what happens to me, and this is parenting and this is how I parent myself, is I panic and then I think I have to fix everything. So I go into like an emotional hardware store and I think about what I have to fix. And this happened to me as a parent. I tried to, to fix something and got in trouble again. So what is it that, what is it that makes why is that voice so prevalent that you have to sort of control everything and that you just can't allow it to happen? Right. Well, so it's, it's, you have to know that you, we really have two brains, right? We have the frontal lobe, 
And that's the part of the brain that regulates and inhibits and organizes. That's the part that reads all the self-help books, right? And the limbic system can override all of that. It decides you're in danger. You, know, you can't trust what's happening. You have to control. You have to fix that anxiety just whispers in your ear and takes control. And then all the self-help stuff becomes shelf-help, right? You don't think about it at all anymore. You're just reacting to your world and re instead of responding. And listen, pa parenting is wonderful, but it's also a huge nightmare. Like this, it is. It's really hard. And you have this other person who depends on you for everything. And we often feel with our kids that we'd rather have, um, we'd rather take their pain from them, right? So whenever we're operating from this place of fear with our children, they're kind of looking to us, seeing us look terrified. And then we start to interact with them based on fear, not love. And your best parenting is going to be from a place of love, not terror, right? So we were talking about this a few minutes ago that we were constantly um, presented with contrast in life. And life would be boring if there wasn't contrast. Um, and we often want uh, our children to behave in ways that make us feel better. Can you just feel better so I can feel better? And whenever that's the energy, Ed, it's never going to work, right? Yeah, because I've tried that. And if that could work, uh, I would be nominated for a Nobel Prize in parenting. <laughs> There'd be no question about that. Now, can I, uh, just say, can I just say that my limbic system is so active, it has been reported on the Citizen app a few times. <laughs> <laughs> you are the Olympic champion. You yes. are in the freestyle Olympic Games. Now, Eddie, Eddie, you, you have a specific relationship with, uh, with panic and with, uh, and that no one, uh, I mean, I think your relationship with panic is, is exceptional. Um, what, how did this start? Where is it now? Like, what do you, because you've worked a lot on this stuff. In fact, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't learn, be learning meditation if it weren't for Eddie. Eddie, Eddie was the one who turned me on to meditation. So what, uh, what mm. are you doing for yourself these days? <laughs> well, I have learned for me that uh, it's sort of what you guys are talking about as far as a practice instead of, you know, just reading a book. I, I think because I have experienced panic, you know, in, in a debilitating form for sure, uh, for a few years, um, many years actually, and, and what has happened is it's sort of like, I have learned how to, um, you know, lessen it. I've learned how to lessen it. I've learned how to head it off at the path. I've learned how to minimize it through practice, you know, uh, daily, daily routines of uh, spirit, you know, listening to Buddhist uh, philosophers and reading Buddhist philosophy and eating well and exercising, they all, they all are, you know, different ways to um, deal with it. You know, it's a many pronged uh, attack. But you do it as a, you, what you're talking about, you're talking about like, that's a, that's a daily routine. It's not, you don't wait until you experience the early warning signs of panic to go into this. This is just something that you do. This is part of your life. Well, yeah, because my life has been shaped by it because it was so frightening and scary uh, to me that uh, 
you know, I needed to, I, I, <laughs> you know, it was something I couldn't ignore. And, and I actually thought my panic uh, served a good purpose. I was smoking a lot of marijuana when I first got panic attacks. Uh, many, uh, I'm trying to think how many years ago it was, like, like at least 25 years ago or, or more. And um, I realized, you know, that my panic was telling me, if you really want to realize the full potential of your life as an artist, as a person, you have to stop smoking marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> wow. so, so the panic was just this, it, it was telling me, don't, you know, you have to take care of yourself. That was the big message of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what you, that's what it told you to do. And then yeah. you tried. And I don't want to you know, brag. I don't want to brag. I know you hate to brag. Yeah. <laughs> this is not bragging though. This helps people realize that you can do it. Right. So, and what you're talking about when I was talking about lining up with love, when you're practicing that self care and you're meditating and you're eating properly and you're exercising and you're managing mm -hmm. your anxiety because anxiety needs mm -hmm. to be managed. Otherwise it will manage you. You either mm -hmm. learn how to control your feelings or they control you. There's no option. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's when you're lining up with love. And when you reach for something else like marijuana or shopping or whatever else it could be to, to control the pain and anxiety mm -hmm. is just pain. It's never mm -hmm. going to work for you. Nothing from the outside is ever going to work for you. Right. And I think that's what we all need to realize. Well, that's a disappointment to me. because <laughs> so, I've got a lot of stuff around me that is not working. And now I know why. Now I know why. Well, now, now, but Jennifer, like, how do you, you know, cueing in, and Eddie, you, you're saying this too, you, you yeah. listen to these things instead of think that they are, you, instead of avoiding, instead of resisting, you don't resist. Yeah. So how do yeah. we practice that? How do we, what's a shortcut to, to sort of like well, ex have, exercising have, that? Yeah. I have a couple shortcuts, but the, the thing to understand first is that these things come in waves, right? If you think like, oh, I'm done, I can relax now. It's going to come in another wave. And then if you, if you see that wave as, oh, I didn't have it figured out. I'm such an idiot. I didn't, you know, what am I doing? Mm. And you're just going to end up getting pummeled, right? So I like what Eddie was saying, that it, it's, it's something that you just like breathing. You just learn to, to accept and to manage. And life has these contours and these contrasts. That's what it means to be human, right? Mm. Nobody would want a life that's just perfect all the time. We think we would. We think we do, but we don't. Um, so we have to learn how to manage that. So so, and, and the thing about anxiety and panic, first of all, anxiety gets such a bad rap. It's so important to have anxiety. Anxiety loves yeah. us. It is self-preservatory, right? It's there to keep us safe. It's just, if we give it too much of a job, it takes over, right? So every right. time we panic or we avoid something and we're still alive, our panic goes, oh, I am good. I am awesome. You know what? I'm going to do that again. And next time I'm going to take it even further because I did a really good job with my person and I'm still alive. And the only reason I'm still alive is that I did that. Right. That that's why ultimately it's about learning to be your own parent. And so when we live our lives kind of looking upward, like, can you believe this? Is somebody going to do something about this? Well, look at this. And look, you're going to, you're, you will never fix it because now let me ask you something, Jennifer, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you, because, because that was my biggest takeaway in my latest, Mm -hmm. round of round of therapy was mm -hmm. um you have to learn to parent yourself you yes. know in a loving in a loving yeah. manner now how do you learn to do that if you didn't have parents who were loving that is and, and sent and sent, yeah. and sent extremely mixed signals 
Of course. That is really hard. And that trauma stays with you, right? When you've been mm-hmm. parenting in a way that there's this lack of love. But the mm-hmm. truth is, um, we, we can either approach life as a victim. That sucks. I had the worst parents in the world. I'm miserable and I'm never going to be right. anything else. Or I'm a student. What did I learn from that? Who am I going to be? Am I going to let that define me? What kind of a parent am I going to be? What kind of a dog owner am I going to be? What kind of a neighbor am I going to be? And that gives you power. That's the only place you really have freedom, right? So there are examples all over, everywhere, of good parenting, whether it's, you know, a parent, I see, adult. I see. Yeah, yeah. So, so people don't under, understand the effort that it takes to avoid and resist. Mm-hmm. And this is what I do so often. And it's so much more familiar to me than just allowing. That's why I'm so tired all the time. I'm tired all the time because I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to push something down that wants to come up. I'm, try- I'm not listening to mm-hmm. the messages. And well, I'm making them yeah. mean something. I'm making a commentary on it. If I feel this, it means that. Well, if I think this, it means that. We, we live in, in our culture in particular, although it is starting to change, there's this idea that you shouldn't feel your feelings. You should numb them. You should, mm. you know, drink something. You should smoke something. You should watch something. Mm. You should buy something. And, and we even mm-hmm. raise our kids this way to a certain degree. And so uh, anxiety and depression are, those are, it's like your emotional GPS system. They're giving you information. And so if you ignore that information, it's going to just keep knocking on the door. <laughs> it's just getting, then it's going to pound on the door. Then it's going to pounce on you and sit on you. It will make you listen if you don't listen. And so Eddie, that's such an important question because I don't mean to demean trauma and suffering and that if had parents that were very hurtful, that is very real. I don't know Mm -hmm. that you need to spend 20 years on the couch Right, we used to sort of have this idea that you got to dig it all up and relive oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I I really learned that that only goes so far. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. until you're like spinning your wheels. And I, my last therapist, who was a really cool guy and a funny guy, and I spent, you know, months entertaining him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I I just started going into these bits and routines because, you know. Uh, the real, I, you know, it's like, how, how can you dig up this stuff all the time? I don't know. You can, I, don't know. You can. I mean, you, you can, you can a little bit to know that it's there and to get the information. Yeah. From it. What's it telling yeah. me? But if you yeah. just keep telling your story, I mean, you have to, if you're a comedian, that's what you do. That's what you do. But in your own head, all of us, mm. if you just tell your story, how are you? Oh, on this, like we, we do this all the time with our friends, <laughs> right. with our relatives. Right. Right. Why on earth would we, constantly talk about what we don't want that doesn't even make sense so one of the simplest things ed to get back to what's a simple thing you can do is literally start mining start excavating and looking for even the tiniest things that give you the feeling that you are looking for that you may already have like Mm. the stupidest thing this is a lot about what mindfulness is about but literally you pour yourself a glass of water like oh my god i didn't have to walk six miles for that and it's clean and it's not going to make me sick. I'm just going to spend two seconds tasting this water and just be in that moment. It sounds so silly. But if we do that, we're going to build neural hardware that allows us to experience what we do want instead of constantly thinking about what we don't want and talking about what we don't want. And, and mm-hmm. Eddie, you put this so well in the beginning. This is a practice, right? This is, you don't just, you're not, you're, not, you're never done. You Never. Like this is, no. this is never over, right? This is no. I'm constantly learn. I'm constantly like 
learning you know and relearning and mm -hmm. having it's it's all that rewiring you know and one it of the does. biggest things and and it's funny because i knew i i knew i was going to talk to you guys today so I, I i it just came into my head that that's such a big thing um in mental health is self-forgiveness mm -hmm. like forgiving yourself allowing yourself like like the fact that somehow I think I'm a bad person mm -hmm. is so fundamental mm -hmm. to my mental health. And it's like an underlying thing that is so um, built into me from whatever, you know, growing up, whatever. And this isn't to be a victim. This is just noticing it, mm -hmm. right? That, mm -hmm. that I, I don't allow myself to appreciate the glass of water because there's such a strong voice in me going yeah 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 water great 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 yeah but look what's coming around the corner buddy you yeah. you you got a lot of problems yeah water oh yeah that's great that's great that you're drinking a glass of water. <laughs> you yeah, know what with I mean? that in the whole scheme of things well and that's the pit that a lot of us get stuck in right you're absolutely right and i think we have to recognize this that's just a program and it's a program that maybe yes. put into their kids but it's literally a program which means you can rewrite and overwrite a program at least have an alternative program it takes years of practice to do it that does. too it's <laughs> years of you think that yeah. you know just because i'm not conscious doesn't mean i'm not practicing exactly. we're always practicing something and well, you, look, what, you, I'm, you what i'm practicing I'm, I'm what you're telling yourself is what you're practicing Exactly. And you, you wouldn't go to the gym and do two sit-ups and then complain that you don't have abs, right? <laughs> you would go to the gym and you'd work on it every day. And so you're literally building neurological hardware. Like that's why I say, and, and I don't mean to put down psychotherapy. I think it's very important. And I think there's a, there's a role to understand where the program came from. But I don't think you need to sit on that couch for 20 years. I think you can know that it's there and then you start rebuilding. Okay. What kind of right. brain? You don't get up in the morning and wear the exact same clothes you wore yesterday. You want to wear something else. So why do we wear the same emotional clothing every single day? I felt that way yesterday, so I got to feel that way today. Everyone else feels that way, so I guess I should too. Um, we just don't challenge ourselves enough. So partly it's understanding that it's all information, that we don't need to be afraid of our feelings at all, that they're actually uh, like a little signal that's telling us something. And then through our own controlling the direction of our own brain, we create the world that honestly is, is a mirror of what you think about inside. It sounds so simple, but it's really profoundly true. Yeah. yeah That's well, what that, Buddhist philosophy says mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. well, you know. That, and, uh, yeah. What you think is what you are, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or, or even, essentially, essentially. Yeah. Or even, but it, what's interesting too is to, is to see well, I think for me, there's, there's a cycle and the cycle is this, the cycle is, I just want to get to the other side of this so I can relax. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is the reason why I want to relax all the time is because I'm working so hard at life. Mm -hmm. I'm working so hard at it that I want mm -hmm. to stop the work. And rather than say, mm -hmm. well, you're just working too hard. I say, well, let me just finish this so I can not do anything. And that cycle, it's a cycle of survival and relief, but it's not living. Coming alive is something different. Coming alive is what you guys are talking about. Yeah. It's recognizing what's going on. It's being open and it's making choices. 
Yeah. Um, well, and, and when you sort of keep thinking that you're going to be done, you're going to reach this peak and you're like, oh, now I can sit down and enjoy all this hard work that you're dead then. Like, <laughs> like part of being alive is to understand that life undulates. Right? And when it's up, you're grateful that it's up. And when it's down, you're like, okay, it's down. How am I not going to be? And, and you can feel sorry for yourself and you can feel horrible and let yourself feel that way for a little bit. Of course you have to. And then you say, okay, what did I learn? H how can I make this? How can I incorporate this and make this a, a move on with my life and become the best version of myself? And Eddie, you said something so important about self-loathing. I see this so much in uh, a lot of the clients that I work with and kids that I work with mm -hmm. adults and parents, they're, they're all, you know, brilliant. And, and the, the, and comedians mm -hmm. tend to be really intelligent and mm -hmm. just, and because you can see all the funny things and the paradoxes, <laughs> that's what's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then people laugh. It's like, Oh my God, he's saying what I'm thinking. But um, mm -hmm. that same ability is there's a, to every strength that you have, there's a shadow of that strength. Right. So, your brain has the potential to be horrible to you, right? As yeah. brilliant as it can be, it can turn on you. And as it does that, it makes you not want to use any strategies. And we've talked about this in other episodes, that, that anxiety whispers in your ear, don't do those strategies. Don't bother with that breathing. Don't, don't do that mindfulness. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to work. Actually, I, I, actually, I actually had to put a restraining order on my brain. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have a TRO? You have a temporary one or a permanent one? Yeah, I, I, I eventually got it to be permanent, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, because you what what is interesting, though, is to watch Eddie work with all of these things on stage, mm -hmm. because for Eddie, for comedy, for you, and it is this way for a lot of comedians, but for you, especially, mm -hmm. it is a release. And it is a way of yeah. working these things through. I mean, Eddie has a great mm. routine where he heckles himself, Jennifer. And he's <laughs> such a good actor that he heckles himself mercilessly and then he leaves the stage. And he's such a good actor that the audience still looks up at the stage, even though he's standing behind them. Wow. Wow. So that is really interesting. And when did you start to figure out that you could do that, Eddie? When did you start to figure out? I can well, just work I, I on think this that's stuff. a natural. Yeah, I think that's my comedy is just uh, and I don't even some, I think the best bits. I'm not even conscious of them. They just they just kind of are there is uh, the, the comedy really for me is a way to work out this stuff and heckling myself. You know, I, I leave the stage and I start going, hey, Pepitone, how come you have dreams at night where uh, a crow rips out your throat? Um, and people are like, what the fuck? And, and then, you know, it builds from there until it eventually goes, you know, don't you try to make friends with me. The reason you came up with this bit is because we're a divided self. <laughs> I'm, ne <laughs> I'm never going to be your friend, buddy. You know, like it's just a battle between, you know, the part of me that is uh, loving and the part of me that that is uh, yeah. negative. But I wanted to say you can also look through all of this stuff through the lens of addiction. Yes. Whatever the brain, the brain gets, and I think one of the big things that people I know I am are addicted to is instant gratification mm -hmm. and being, and, and I read uh, Scott Peck's uh, The Road Less Traveled. I haven't mm -hmm. picked it up in a long time, but, you know, I think that's a great book. And I, 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 yes. I, 
I, I feel like the main thrust of it is that, you know, you have to get over instantly gratifying yourself constantly. And, you do, and, absolutely. Well, yeah. the, well, the instant gratification, what's well, that? Well, waiting and contemplating. I mean, this is a weird example of this, but there was a movie, the, the Spielberg movie, Lincoln. What amazed me about that is this is not a man, at least he was portrayed this way. He, he waited. He waited. He delayed every decision. And in that culture, in that world, people used to take walks and they wouldn't make up their minds about anything. They would oh, contemplate. Yeah. They would yeah. contemplate. We you take right. a walk. We don't I, live in that era anymore. Hmm. I think one thing that quarantine has been great for is a little bit of self-reflection. Yes. And, yeah. and realizing, oh, wow, I'm running around doing all these things. And now that I'm not, I'm able to look at it and go, oh, do I need to do all these freaking right. things? Some, yeah, there's some stillness. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because I feel like we're a profoundly psychotically adolescent culture. Mm -hmm. Really, like mm -hmm. it, it's it, we really are. And I, I'm hoping actually during this period where we're all kind of slowing down and thinking exactly what you said. It do I need that? Do I need to do that? Is that really important for me? Um, right. th yeah. That you know we can really emerge as as happier people and better humans and nicer neighbors. Right. And, and, and I want to go back to addiction for a second, because that's part of what got us in this mess and leaves us in this mess, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and addiction, the real antidote to addiction is connection. Mm -hmm. like, the more connected you are to yourself, to loving yourself, but also the people in your life who are there every day, who love you and your dogs at your feet and every other mm -hmm. being in your life who loves you. That is the antidote to addiction. And in a, in a, it? It, it really is. There's a ton of evidence to show this now. Very strongly so, and and even in treating addicts, it's connection, right? When you get yeah. to such a place where you're in so much pain and your brain fractalizes, and you get into that self-loathing cycle, and when you talked about that cycle, Eddie, I hear kids that I work with talk about that. They panic. So the way that it works is you panic, and then you mm. panic so much you can't panic anymore. So then you flip over to depression. So anxiety and depression are nasty little twins. Okay, so if a tiger's chasing you. At a certain point, you're going to go, you know what, just eat me. I don't care. I said I can't run anymore, right? So you just give up, right? So they, they kind of flip on each other. So then you move into this self-loathing, I hate myself, you don't deserve any happiness, and look at all yeah. the stuff you have, and you don't even care, and like this ugly, ugly, the things that, that people can say to themselves in their own heads are worse than anything anyone could ever say. Um, sure. And then you go into numbness or anhedonia where you don't feel anything. And then you go back to, then you might feel a little reprieve and then you go back to the anxiety and you will be stuck in that cycle until you learn how to control that cycle. And it's not going to come from a pill. I mean, ultimately, I'm not saying that medication can't help. Sometimes it can be the life jacket, right? The little the, the flotation device that helps you use other strategies. It has definitely helped me. It is definitely It, it can. I, and I don't mean to suggest that it doesn't. But ultimately, mm -hmm. you have to figure it out yourself, which is mm -hmm. in every story, in every book. In every archetype, Star Wars, Wizard of Oz, like how many times do we need to be, you know, walking to the same pole, right? Even Disney, even Disney reminds you, and we know how, how evolved they are. Uh, the one, the one channel that doesn't seem to remind you is FX. But go ahead. <laughs> the darkest of the dark, the the darkest of the dark. Well, in fact, that's funny that you mentioned that because we do it. We always have a sponsor on the show, and then some of the sometimes they're comedic, sometimes they're real. 
But this one is very real to me. Today's sponsor is a new Disney movie called Emotionally Frozen 2. <laughs> and basically what this is, the, the story of this is a therapist moves to Arendelle, and now that she's accepted her power, Queen Elsa has to work on something even scarier, intimacy. <laughs> he falls for a florist, and the internal thaw begins as she starts to learn how to let it grow. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> now, 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 but, 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 I, but I swear, you know, th this is what, uh, you know, the, the messages and the things that you're talking about. There is an addictive quality to what you watch and what you put in your head, mm -hmm. right? So if you want to sleep, you don't watch Breaking Bad just before you go to bed. You actually have a consciousness about what am I going to put in? I think there's very little consciousness about what, you know, Eddie reads a lot and, and, and listens to a lot of uh, philosophy and so mm -hmm. forth, but a lot of people don't. Um, and so how do you, you know, is that something that you are aware of, Jennifer? I mean, in your own? In your Definitely. Own? I mean, here's the thing. We have, what we watch, what we talk about and what we think about literally creates our, our neurobiochemistry. So when you start to develop these tools to kind of just think about other things and focus on what, focus on everything that you have already that gives you the emotion that you think you're going to have from having everything. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but honestly, whatever you think you want, think about what you have already that gives you that. Then you're, then you're going to find this emotional place where you just feel more like you have more power and you have more freedom. A thing or a relationship, or, or a new contract, or a show, or a job, none of those things are going to give you what you want. They'll be nice when you're happy already, right? Success comes, you have to be happy first in many ways. That's why so many sex, successful people are miserable, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't know anybody like that, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> right? But so that, that what you think about, what you fill your brain with, what you read, what you watch, it creates your reality, literally. And when you start to, to find these ne different neural pathways, what, what, it, it's sort of like building yourself a whole new part of your brain. And now you have, now you have a choice. I can, I can feel that way if I want to. I can watch that stuff if I want to, but I don't have to. Right? And the more you shift, the more things that used to be amusing, used to be funny, shows used to like, people used to hang around, you're mm -hmm. like, eh, I don't like how I feel around that person anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want to sit at lunch and talk about mm -hmm. awful things. I want to talk to the people who are laughing and having a good time. And that doesn't mean there's not a place for that. There is, it's always about balance. And we started our pre-conversation with life is like standing in a canoe. Yeah, that's right. right. You're always standing in a canoe. You are mm -hmm. always, right? Yeah. I, you know, the world is in love with true crime. The world is in love yeah. with murder. Yeah. And that is the title of my new songbook. <laughs> the, it's a sing-along, the world is in love with murder. And, and so uh, my, my Julie question Andrews, is... Julie Andrews is attached, right? <laughs> she, is, she is attached and she's a very angry lady, by the way, surprisingly. Um, yeah, the world is... I am 16 going on murder. Romantic <laughs> songs that we have. Uh, but no, I, I mean, this is really, you know, this is what people are projecting. It's like, hey, if you watch Killing Eve, watch it. I can't watch mm. that. How can I watch that? It's about mm. someone who loves killing people. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't well, know. I think, I think, you know, that's another example of like what Jennifer said that we live in a psychotic, psychotically adolescent society yes. <laughs> yes. and, and, uh, you know, that, that's part of it. This addiction to just the worst 
stuff, you know, like that. Like murder is entertainment now. (laughs) But we we actually, you say, Jennifer, you've said this before, is that you get an adrenaline rush. You get, you're feeding your brain. Absolutely. So how does does that work? How does that work? So when you're watching something scary or when you, you know, are, you know, in a fight with somebody all the time, and even those reality shows where every people have everything and they're all fighting and complaining. I don't understand that at all. But whenever someone is engaging that way, you're, you're looking for an adrenaline rush. You're medicating yourself just like you do with anything, with any ADHD medication. You're getting a hit of adrenaline, which stimulates the frontal lobe, just like Vyvanse or Concerta or Adderall, right? Bringing your frontal lobe into balance. So you can actually kind of think for a second, your frontal lobe lights up, but then that becomes an addiction. Okay. I feel a little bit better. I got to, I got to be in that cycle again in order to feel okay again. And that's either done through gossiping and starting up trouble and, you know, being addicted to drama or it's watching scary things or it's, um, anything works this way. Anytime you get that dopamine hit, that adrenaline hit, it's an addiction. And the other piece, and I forget, you were saying, talking about this earlier, Eddie, that it really does come down to addiction because whenever the brain thinks it saved you, that's the biggest addiction of all, right? That worked. I saved my person. I panicked and my person is still alive. So damn, I'm good. I'm going to do that again, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. even the panic becomes an addiction. Panic, I'm still alive. I'm going to do it again. And you end up, you end up literally a slave. We are literally slaves to what we think about, what we talk about and what we want. Mm. There's a lot of discussion about eating right and eating healthy and organic food and all that stuff. It's so mm. important. How about let's be more picky about what we think. What are you yeah. spending your time thinking yes. about? Right? Why, why do no, we do that? I think most people aren't even aware of what they think. I think most yep. people are just like, in this and and me too i mean you know the stream of consciousness it's unbelievable you know what i've noticed when i wake up my my first thoughts uh, this is kind of sad but my first thoughts are always negative yeah you know like like i have to finally you know kind of get up i have to have my coffee and then i start like okay, you know it's not as bad you know what i mean right. like exactly. i don't know what and that you're describing is. what most of us are feeling and part of that is we've lost such a connection to each other to nature to important things mm. real things which are the only things really that nurture us to be honest but mm. you wake up the way a lot of us do with the exact same thoughts habitual these are habitual these are brain firings mm. and they're just happening so starting to just be aware wait a second that's program that's not me that's right. a program right differentiating and differentiating right, that's not me and you will never be negative the real you will never talk to yourself like that. Would never say those shitty things to yourself. The real you would never. So whenever you indulge that, you're indulging that darker kind of egoic, you know, primal side. And you're feeding it literally every day with those thoughts. Every thought you give, it's another little morsel, another little tidbit. Um, so how do you put the brakes on that? So, so the first thing is you recognize the voice. Wait a minute. That's not me. My best self does not agree with that. I don't, you can literally, it's, it's so simple. Just say, I'm not participating in that. I don't agree to this. Literally just say that out loud and watch what happens. I don't agree with this or look at me thinking, even just that, you know, everybody Observing needs a safe yourself. word. They need a safe word. Yeah. And, and whatever your safe word is, it could be, it could be just noting it. It could be just saying, oh, Absolutely. thinking, yeah. thinking. 
Yeah. And then I you see my, my safe word, my safe word is bondage. And I don't know about that safe word. <laughs> Sometimes your safe word might mess. lead to other things. <laughs> I feel like it's a mixed signal. <laughs> it is a mixed signal, but it's an exciting time. Uh, and so, you know, whatever it is. But seriously, you know, we talk about mantras and meditation. People need mantras in everyday life. You need, a, you need a mantra. It's like, what's the word? Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. What's the word? Mine, mine is surrender. Yeah. Mine is surrender or let go. I let love that. Go. I repeat, yeah. I repeat, let go to myself. And that always helps because it just shows me that I don't have to keep thinking that stuff You're when right. I say let go. Yeah. But I, but it's a constant thing. I have to of do. course it's a constant thing because your brain is habitually wired, right? And, and addictively yeah. wired, not just your brain, all of our brains to think that way. And so also the limbic system thinks in images. So whenever you can add a picture and a feeling, you can do that. It'll work even better. So I, I love the let go, but imagine yourself, I don't know, drifting back into like a beautiful hot tub or a pool or a beautiful mm -hmm. lake, like add an image to it and the feeling oh, yeah. that goes with the image, like, ah, God, this is awesome. I'm so lucky to be like, put the feeling and the image and the words together. Now you have something, right? Ah, the ah. other thing that I want um, us all to really think about is if you're mad at yourself, and sometimes the more we learn and the more we read, the meaner we are. Well, now I've learned all this stuff and I've gone to right. all these retreats and right. I'm still an idiot, right? Like right. I should know better. And then you get mad at yourself right. for not doing the stuff that you've learned to do, but that's just ironically ridiculous, but we all do it. So part of it is that self-love that we started out talking about. Of course, you're human. You're going to feel terrible sometimes. You're going to feel hopeless sometimes. You're going to feel sad. And that's what it means to be alive, first of all. And without those things, you'd never feel the other things, right? Which is happiness and joy and excitement. And they go together. It's unfortunate, but they do, right? Mm. And you can certainly have more of the good stuff. But that contrast, those contours are part of being alive, really, and if you think you're only done when you never have those things, you've missed the point, right? So part of it is that self-love, right? Okay, so let yourself feel like crap for a while, run the old program, and then say enough, enough. And then you, you try to find some thoughts, something that's slightly better than what you were thinking before. So I like the, the let go or whatever word you have with the image and the feeling that can absolutely wake up your brain and change you. Saying, I'm, I, I'm choosing not to participate in this. I'm not engaging in this. I don't agree to this. Okay, a simple act like that mm. turns your frontal lobe on mm. and your uh, limbic brain off. And maybe for five seconds you feel better and then you drift back into the old program and then you catch yourself and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. Mm. And eventually you will build yourself a new brain. <laughs> You'll build yourself neural wow. pathways that support positive thinking, even neutral thinking. Neutral's even better. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. okay. Little did we what? know that when we were watching The Wizard of Oz, that what Ray Bolger was really talking about was the fact that he didn't like his old brain and that he wanted a different brain. It's not if I only had a brain, it's if I only had a brain that worked. Here I am in The Wizard of Oz with flying monkeys and I've got Vincent Minnelli on my back. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, you know what's another way to look at this? The Buddhists actually think that what well, think the Buddhists their whole message is no mind. Like mm -hmm. they they are like, you know, 
thinking, you know, is what gets us in trouble and, and, you know, just go to the breath, you know, in other words, there's, there's a bigger, like universal mind that we have to mm-hmm. tap into is what there they is. talk about. Like, like the me, me, me of the ego, uh, they talk about like ego, ego, ego. I want, I want, I want, you know, I want, and I'm afraid. Like they, they say desire and fear are the two things that, you know, we, we go between when we're, uh, when we're all about our ego and mm-hmm. they're like, you know, go into the universal, which I, which I think is just, you know, um, caring about others, you know, like you said, Jennifer connection, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's connection and not worrying so much about what I need, what I want. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. And that space in between, right? That, mm-hmm. that neutral space mm-hmm. where you just are, and maybe mm-hmm. you can only be there for 10 seconds. Right. Okay. So you get flung out and then you work your way back in. And the more you do it, the more sit-ups you do, the more you have abs, right? Well, you just keep going mm-hmm. and you keep going. You have nothing else to do. <laughs> so time's going to pass anyway. So you just keep doing this. And honestly, if you have time to suffer and stress and tell your mm-hmm. story and complain, then you have mm-hmm. time to work on it. It's you much easier. What? I was just going to say that for whatever reason, I always am averse to the word and the process of work. As mm-hmm. soon as I label something work, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah. What is you that? Can, you can relabel it. You can relabel it. You yeah. can, so whatever it is that you, you know, that you enjoy. This is just, this is just for me. This is breathing. This is mm. relaxing. It's time for me to relax. Yeah. Well, and the truth oh, is that you're yeah. already doing work. You're doing so mm-hmm. much work stressing. Mm-hmm. That right, right. Is. That's mm-hmm. work. That That's work. work. Right? That's so a great way to put it. That's that a is great work. way to put it. You know, it. people people who are depressed, do you know how much energy it takes to depress what wants to come up naturally, oh, yeah. the energy that wants to come out of you, mm. and to depress it, and to depress well, it for a whole lifetime? In so many cultures, depression, not in the West, but in so many cultures, depression is, is like an awakening. It's a portal. It's, a, it's something that there's a ceremony about, and you celebrate because you're going to come out the other side. But you know, we happen to live in a in a culture right now where there's Oh yeah, they have they have events in other cultures where they, they cater depressions. Yeah. And there's music and yeah. Because they embrace sadness. They're not running from sadness. They know it's an emotion and they don't run from sadness. No, uh, the more you run from it, any of these negative emotions, the more powerful they get. And there, there's examples of that over and over and over. How many times do we have to see it? So, and you said something interesting too, that you wake up in the morning and it, it connects back mm-hmm. to work, which I'll answer in a second. But, um, and a lot of people, oh, I got to work today. Or, if you just change the words to, I get to, there'll be a huge shift. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? I, I've heard I that. Yeah. To go to work. I get <laughs> my coffee. I get mm. to, such a simple shift, right? But a huge yeah. one. Yeah. The work thing, and you're not alone in that. And I, you know, procrastination is, a, I, I deal with that a lot in, in my practice with young people, especially today. Um, and yeah, the, you know, yeah, the ADD. Well, yeah, we, we, we also have all these, um, you know, uh, all these uh, little uh, toys that distract us, right, from doing the real the work. The biggest one being our cell phones right now, which are probably... Yeah. They're not going anywhere, but I, I do think they're the worst thing that's ever happened for kids. There's no question. But um, is that right? Yeah, yeah I would yeah. think. I would yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, 
the levels of depression and anxiety and social anxiety around phones, that's a whole other conversation. But, but the work thing is really about changing states, right? You're, if you're safe and you're doing something and you're in bed or wherever you are, your brain, the limbic system doesn't want you to change states because if you change states, there's a new threat. I could be chased. Mm. I could be eaten. I could be right. whatever, right? So the brain likes to stay in the state that it's in. Mm. And, uh, and that's, that's something to be aware of. And even just having a quick conversation with yourself, I'm not in danger right now. Changing a state doesn't mean I'm in danger. Right. So, mm. so there's a few like really simple ones um, Great. that I think can help people. I mean, and, and again, there's no, there's no, this all, all of it comes back to, you have to love yourself enough to do the good work, right? To, to, mm. to uh, to get to a place where it's worth it and you just start to feel better in your own skin. And I want people to hear something about anxiety. Anxiety and excitement are exactly the same things. Did you know that? Exactly. Exactly it, the same exactly energy. Exactly yeah. the same feeling. If you put someone under an MRI when they're excited and they just want a million dollars or they're having a panic attack, it's going to look the same. The only difference is context. Yeah. Right? Your, your attitude. We give yeah. life context. And meaning, and you give other things meaning, like you can, you can, whatever you give meaning, uh, if you're, if you give your thoughts meaning, especially the ones that are, you know, crazy and way out, um, then it means something and then you're strangled by it. But if it doesn't have any meaning, they're just thoughts, you know, I'm not, the, just the concept of I'm not my thoughts and I'm not my feelings yeah. is, is a huge thing. If I was a kid and somebody told me that as a kid... I'd be a different person. I mean, mm -hmm. I, could, I could be the Pope by now. I don't know. Um, I, I would love to have all of this stuff taught to little kids. Honestly, it would change everything. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, just that alone. If somebody said, you know, feelings are okay. If anybody said the words to me, feeling you're, you, what you're feeling is actually okay, there's nothing wrong you, with you. You know when that'll happen with kids is when the parents get hit. You know, it's like it's got to come from yeah. them first, I think. I think you're right, Eddie. And a lot of parents can't tolerate their children's emotions either. Uh, absolutely. Right? My child is upset. I need to fix it. I need to buy them something. I need to call that principal. Mm -hmm. I need to call that I, mother. I need to. And that, I need, yeah. you know, you're raising a child that way. You're, you're, you're teaching kids a brain that way. You're teaching yeah. kids that they can't tolerate their thoughts and feelings. Here's the yeah. thing. Here's the thing, though, that's very difficult um, for me is I, and i'll use food as an example because we're in quarantine you know mm -hmm. and one of my big pleasures is like you know i love pasta mm -hmm. you know what i mean like but it's not good for me after a certain point mm -hmm. you know and i know that but when the craving first hits and the craving yeah. is always first in my mind you know yeah. a picture in my mind i see the pasta yeah. i'm like in my mind and i'm like oh yeah yeah that's gonna be good that's gonna be good cool, yeah. cool. um it, it to be able to not like indulge the craving like yeah. that moment is so difficult it it's is so difficult yeah. to sit to sit with wanting to reach outside yourself mm -hmm. for your quote-unquote happiness or comfort how do you sit with that yeah discomfort that how do you stay with that discomfort until it passes? And I've done it. I've done it a few times. I've done it, but a lot of times I give in. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's hard. And that, that's, we're talking about addiction again, right? There's something in the limbic yeah. brain 
that tells us I'm not going to be okay until I eat that pasta, right? I'm going to, that's, that trips off that survival program in your brain it's very helped it's helped along by our whole obsessive culture needing to have everything we want right now and not waiting mm-hmm. um for everything you know there's not even you don't even have to go to go to a drive-thru anymore and i was uber eats and i mean post like you don't <laughs> have to wait for, it's crazy right that's right yeah so, so the brain loves to adapt to the easiest quickest thing why is it going to do it the hard way right so if so if it thinks it's going to stay alive by eating that pasta good luck right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, and it comes back to the love and fear thing. If you're eating that pasta because you're afraid, mm. right? And, and a lot of it comes from scarcity. So part of it is telling yourself, you got a cupboard full of pasta. You want to have it in a half an hour, have it in half an hour. Do I need it right mm. now? Is it going to go away? Is someone going to steal it from me? Someone going to come mm. from a neighboring village and pillage my... <laughs> no, yeah. right? Like yeah, yeah. part of it is I'm not participating in this. <laughs> is this an emergency no it's not an emergency you have to question it you have to just questioning it period question. or just the question what's going on with me right now yeah. yeah so that's the first thing and so whenever you feed anything that's coming from fear mm. it will never work but if you line up with love i love myself enough to not go eat that mm. pasta because i know what's going to happen i'm going to eat it and then i'm going to feel tired right and, full and gross and i'm still going to right. want I'm not going to feel better having that pasta. I'm still going to want. That's that true. That that is something I've realized too. Yeah. Is, is yeah. that and okay? About so I ate the pasta. Yeah, right. Now what? So I ate the pasta. <laughs> I I'm starting to feel sluggish. Gross. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what now I feel now I feel crappy and sluggish on top. <laughs> and of I'm that. mad at myself for eating the pasta. So part of it is when you can recognize that it's a program. Right, mm. and it, it's a biological program at the time, and all of those foods, any carb-heavy foods, we crave when we're stressed and bored, mm. right, and upset. Mm. Um, they kind of go together. Nobody craves broccoli when they're upset, <laughs> you know, mm. right? So mm. it's sort of recognizing that that program is running. Then line up with love. Tell yourself there is no scarcity in that moment, and figure out in your life what do you think you're going to have from that pasta after? I'm going to feel satisfied. Mm. I'm going to feel um, that craving gone. I'm going to feel like I've had enough to mm. eat. I'm going to feel like I've, you know, mm. in a content moment. Where do you have that already in your life? Do you have a view out your window? Is there a favorite room in your house? Is there? Oh, I see. Where do you have that? Where do you have that? That feeling. That's a good feeling. Right. Where do you have that connection to a good feeling already? Yeah. yeah. Reach for the good thought. Reach for the yeah. good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this takes practice and you're, you're fighting a biological program designed to keep you alive. That's been running the show for a very long time. Like, like a spoiled child. <laughs> it's been kicking and screaming your whole life. Most of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't want to mm-hmm. listen. Screw you. I want the pasta. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, for me, it's unbelievable. You know, I'm 61 and I just recognize how, you know, so, you know, I'm like a little kid in so yeah, many ways. We all are. And we are in a culture yeah. that, that nurtures that and sells us mm-hmm. that in every advertisement and show and program and everybody talks about it. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's really stepping outside of that programming a little bit. So look for that feeling with fulfillment, satisfaction, um, contentment that you think you're going to get after that plate of pasta. Where do you have it already? Look for it already. We reach for a better and, thought, reach for a better yeah. feeling. Yeah, and then be kind to yourself, be nice to yourself, because you're certainly not alone in this one. 
And if you mm-hmm. end up eating the pasta, okay. So next time you'll you'll delay it. You know, you know it would be funny because I always think of comic ideas attached to things, and I think it'd be funny if I get the same feeling of uh, you know the the comfort of pasta by looking out my window. So it'd be funny at dinner parties. I'm just constantly looking out a window. Time to eat. Like, Here's the window. <laughs> I'm just like looking out a window, you know, what? and my wife is saying, no, that's what he does during dinner party. He, <laughs> he stares out the window. And he, it's just his way of not eating as much. And Yeah. He's getting uh, pleasure. He's, he's has pleasure right now. It's very pleasuring to him. It huh? is difficult though, because we do need food and you start eating and you, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. really do have to get a hold of that because the craving is so easily triggered. Well, and honestly, if you are having, if you, if it's time to eat and you're not mm-hmm. eating to fill a hole and you're not eating to kill a feeling and you're not eating mm-hmm. out of the sense of scarcity, mm-hmm. I gotta eat. Mm-hmm. 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 If you're eating from a place of fear, forget it. You're in trouble. If you're <laughs> eating from a place of love, I love myself. I exercise mm-hmm. today. People mm-hmm. all over the world eat pasta and they're okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going mm-hmm. to have this pot. I'm not going to have the seconds or thirds. Right. I'm going to eat it. And I'm going to love it. Right. But the right. other thing is we eat it and then we hate ourselves for eating it. Well, what's the point mm-hmm. of that? Then? Right. Then you're just right. a cycle. Right. You don't even I, enjoy it after. I have a shortcut. I actually hate myself first and then I eat it. <laughs> um, so I don't eat the emotions. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately we have to wrap up, but I, I, we're going to do this again. We're going to do it soon again, and this has been a uh, this has been a real pleasure. You've been listening to Eddie Pepitone, the great Eddie Pepitone, to Jennifer Kalari, and Eddie. Uh, so many things to watch, but they should they should tune into uh, live from the bunker, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I do that Monday through Friday. Except I'm actually taking today off. I'm being good to myself. Can you believe it? I was because part of me is always like, oh no, 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 no. I I can't take the day off. But yeah, I can. So. I took okay. today off, so it's Love Monday it. through Friday on Instagram Live, and you can go to eddiepepitone.com, and uh, you could check out my stuff, and uh, you could buy things if you put in the word self-loathing, they become a little bit more expensive. <laughs> That's good. There's a price tag attached to all the emotions <laughs> on eddiepepitone.com. But thank uh, you, guys. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Jennifer. That was a great talk. It really was. Uh, thank you. You brought through. so much to it. Thank it's you so pleasure. much. It's a pleasure, yes. Eddie. Talk to, talk to you soon, and thanks so okay. much. And, uh, and Jennifer Kalari, connectedparenting.com. Go to it. Find out about it. She does uh, so many different things, services, education, uh, all kinds of videos, all kind of uh, kinds of content about connected parenting and self-parenting. Mm-hmm. And so you want to check that out. Jennifer Kalari, uh, it's actually connected parenting, those words.com. Uh, Jennifer, we're going to wrap up. Uh, we'll come back next week with a new episode, a new guest right here on the Mental Health Comedy Hour. I'm Ed Krasnick for Jennifer Kalari. Keep coming back at Words If You Work It. See you next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.